Good morning, Haynes Creek. Uh, if you're new with us this morning, my name's Abby, Pastor Abby. I don't think anyone calls me Pastor Abby, but my name's Abby. Um, and uh, this is the church at Haynes Creek. Um, we uh, gather here every Sunday morning and we preach through books of the Bible because we believe that the Bible is uh, authoritative. We believe it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so we're actually in the middle of the book of Genesis. Uh, that's where we'll be out, uh, hanging out this morning in Genesis chapter 6, um, verses 5 through 8. By the sixth chapter of Genesis, just three chapters after the fall, after the first person sins, the world is absolutely evil. And we're going to see that the Bible um, describes the world in Genesis chapter 6 as um, nothing short of wicked. And if I were God, um, if I were God, I should never say that. Um, man, start out the morning with blasphemy. That's wonderful. Just a healthy dose. Um, I would say that God looked at what he'd made and in some ways was like an artist. He just wanted to crumple up the paper and throw it away and start over. That's how wicked the world was. Not just bad, not just a little evil. It was wicked and God grieved. So before we start this morning, I want to make a critical distinction that I want to make sure everybody's on the same page between sin and sins. And here we go. Sin is a state of moral bondage, of rebellion against God and self-worship. It's something that's in your heart. Romans 3, 9, for we've already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. Sins are transgressions against God's law or instances of disobedience to God. So it's important to remember the fact that I sin because I'm a sinner. I sin because I'm under sin. I sin because um, sin has a hold of me. Um, when we read the book of Romans, for example, Paul speaks more about sin than he does about sins. It's a force. It's a prison. It's a state. It's like a dark, wet blanket that just covers the earth. Uh, sin is so bad that Paul says creation groans because it's in the bondage of sin. Sin is so bad that David says he's conceived in sin. Sin is so bad God cannot be in its presence is it any wonder that people do not understand their sins because they don't understand sin? Here's a way of, uh, of explaining it. John Golden Gay, who's an acclaimed Old Testament historian um, or scholar, sin stains us. It makes us disgusting, alienates us from God, leaves us unhealed. The Old Testament has a number of ways of seeing the impact of that. Blinding, exposure, shame, war, wasting, annihilation, expulsion, withering, dissolution, and Death. So I don't just need to have my sins forgiven. I need to be delivered and redeemed from sin. Christ can wipe away my sins as he has. But my heart is still dark and hostile. I have to be changed. I have to be reborn. I have to be cleaned. I, old sin stained Avi just needs to die. As we read this passage this morning, let's, let's remember that sin isn't just an action. It's a posture of the heart. It's a disposition. It's a state. Here's the gospel before we read our passage, if I had to define it, just in terms of what we're going to read this morning. Jesus has shed his blood to cover our sins and to free us from the bondage of sin in order that we might fulfill the first commandment to love God and worship him alone. 
Um, if you have your Bible and you're turned to Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, please stand for the reading of God's Word. It's a little tradition we have at this church. Just reading four verses this morning. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Wow. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, um, our hearts are desperately wicked, as Jeremiah said. Um, We don't deserve anything. We don't even deserve to live. That's how awful sin is. And yet you have sent your Son to redeem us, to pull us out of bondage, to break the chains of sin, to, to redeem us and to give us a new living hope. Father, we no longer walk walk in darkness, and that is because Jesus is our new Moses. He is the new and better and second Adam. Father, every good and perfect gift is from you, and every good and perfect gift is found in Jesus. Father, as we we, uh, unpack this passage this morning, show us the depths of our depravity. Show us the wickedness and wandering of our own hearts so that we can also see how beautiful and sufficient Jesus is as Savior. And all these things we ask in your precious Son's name. Amen. You can be seated. I don't know why I always say that, but I do. Don't sit down. (laughs) Um, Here's what I'm trying to say this morning. If you don't hear what I'm saying, if if you walk away, be like, I don't know what that guy was trying to say. Here's what I'm trying to say. Sin is infinitely wicked and opposed to God. Sin grieves God. Sin must be judged for its evil. Now, y'all know I don't, I don't bullet point most a lot of times. I thought it just worked itself out. I got three points. I feel like those are the three points we gather from this text. I'm going to say it again. Sin is infinitely wicked and opposed to God. Sin grieves God. Sin must be judged for its evil. Here's my question this morning. Don't answer out loud. Josh Jameson's not here anymore, so... I don't have to worry about that, I don't think. Here's my question. Think in your head. Just answer to yourself. Is the world today more evil than it's ever been? What do you think? Are we just as bad as it's ever been? Is the world in hell in a handbasket? It's never been as wicked as it is right now. What do you think? A lot of people would say yes. Genesis 6 says no. Let's read verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that, don't don't miss this, every intention of the thoughts of the, pretty sure that's Abi and not the Spirit, of his heart was only, man, I butchered that one, didn't I? Was only evil continually. Wow, that's pretty wicked. That's pretty bad. Every intention of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. Do you see how it's important to understand that sin isn't just an action? It's what we think about. It's what we prefer. It's what we want every second of the day. Only six chapters in the Bible and the people God has made, the creatures that He set atop every other creature, the people that bear His image 
are thinking about nothing but evil. I think I saw. I think I said last week. I mean, if I'm God, I'm like I'm, I'm, the project is awful. Adam has corrupted, and now all of his children are corrupted. Here's number one. The number one takeaway: sin is infinitely wicked and opposed to God. So here's something to think about: the human condition really hasn't changed since Genesis six. In fact, this is the natural human condition apart from God's grace. In case, and and just so if I'm not being clear enough, here's another way to say it. If left to ourselves, apart from God's grace and without the Spirit, without the gospel, sinners today are just as wicked in their hearts today as they were in Genesis chapter 6. And God would be completely just today to flood the earth. God doesn't know anybody anything. He can do what He wants. He's God and we're rebels. Our temptation is to read Genesis 6 and be like, wow, those are some awful people. I'm so glad I'm not them. Moving on. Our technology has advanced. We've developed a little bit as a civilization. We've grown in number, but our hearts are still far from Him. When I'm raising my twins, as I was, as my wife was practicing this morning for, um, for worship, I had them outside. And, um, you know, they, they want to do things. They want to swing on things that they can't swing on. They want to eat rocks. They, they want to do plenty of things that aren't sinful. They're just kids. But I see my kids, they're beautiful. They're, 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 they're innocent. They're pure. But they're, they're also, you leave them alone, alone too long, oh boy, they're not that innocent. And I think I've said this many times. I want to raise my kids to have good manners. I'm going to raise my kids to say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. I want to raise them to say, thank you. I'm going to raise them to have good southern manners. But let me tell you all, good southern manners doesn't wipe your heart clean. Only the gospel can do that. How many times have we seen somebody with good southern manners and a dark heart? I don't like that. When we think about wickedness, when I think about wickedness, I think of like Kim Jong-un, like Saddam Hussein, you know, Hitler, like the easy ones. I mean, you say wicked, I think of like Wizard of Oz. You don't walk around today, we don't walk around, we say, that person's awful, man. You know, that, you know what, enough of them. We don't, we don't say, well, hey, you're new here, that person's wicked, stay away from them. We don't use that language. Well, maybe you do, I don't. If I had to define, let's, let's not take anything for granted here. What does it mean to have a wicked heart? This is how I would define it. A heart that gives no consideration to honoring and praising God in what it's doing, thinking, and wanting. That's how I would define wickedness. Now, original sin. What is original sin? Well, we talked a little bit about that in Genesis 3. I think it would be helpful to think about Adam and sin in terms of a tree. Adam was the seed. Adam was the root. We're the tree. We're the branches. We have the same DNA as Adam. Jonathan Edwards defined original sin like this. God, in every step of his proceeding with Adam, in in relation to the covenant or constitution established with him, looked at his children as being one with him. And though he dealt more immediately with Adam, it was as the head of the whole body and root of the whole tree, in his proceedings with him, he dealt with... All the branches, as if they had been existing in their root. Thus, both guilt, or exposure to punishment, and also depravity of heart, came upon Adam's children just as they came upon him 
as much as if he and they had coexisted like a tree with many branches. So Adam is my root. Adam is and was sin, or was sinful, therefore I am sinful. Can you see now when Jesus comes on the scene, what does he say? I'm the vine. You're the branches. You need a new root. You need new DNA. You have to grow off something new or you're going to perish and wither. Therefore, it's no coincidence that by Genesis 6, every heart on the earth is wicked except for one. And that by God's grace. Without a doctrine of sin, here's a way to say it. Without a doctrine of sin, we understand virtually nothing about why the world is the way it is and why we are the way we are. The gospel starts with Adam's sin, which is also our sin. Number two, God, their sin grieves God. Verse six, and the Lord regretted that he'd made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. My mom kept, still has, I was home the other day. My mom still keeps China in a cabinet. Raise your hand if you have China in a cabinet. Really, that few people. JB's like, not into China, I'm sorry. Um, really, raise your hand again. How many people are in China? No. Okay, more, I think. All right, we got some China people in here. I grew up with China in my house. I broke my mother-in-law's entire China cabinet. Do we ever talk about that? No? Yeah. Still married. I destroyed thousands of dollars of her China. Did I not, Kelly? Where are you at? That's true, yeah. I'm still paying for that. Not monetarily. Um, but I kind of always put God up like he was China. You know, God is holy, is he not? God's good, is he not? God is clean, is he not? So it's like, he's China. You know, you don't touch God. You just admire God. But we have things in the Bible that aren't like China, like... God is grieved. China doesn't grieve. China doesn't regret. God has emotions. God has feelings. They're not like our feelings. They're not like our emotions. But let's not treat God like he's on a China cabinet. God has and feels things. And what it says here is sin is so lamentable, it's so objectionable, it's so unnatural, that it grieves him to what? To his heart. God experiences joy and sorrow. I mean, that's amazing to me. In the garden, God, after he makes Adam and Eve, he does what? He blesses them. God delights in his creation. He delights in us. And then by chapter 6, in the age of Noah, he's grieved. He's looking around and everything is rebellion. Here's something to think about. God's law is not arbitrary. God delights in what is right, and God mourns over what is wrong. Did I tell y'all that the Todds are in the middle of potty training? Did I mention that? Okay, I think I mentioned that. Um, Ruby's good. Wouldn't you know it, the boy is a little behind. He's getting it, though. Now, here's the thing. When Roman and Ruby don't potty where they should, mommy and daddy let them know that that's... That, that's not right. We don't need to do that. That's wrong. You know, no, you don't do that. But it's not just enough that when I find that one of my children has disobeyed, I don't just go, that's wrong, that's, or that's wrong, you're going to go to timeout. No, what do I do? I tell them that it's wrong, I explain why it's wrong, and then I let them know that daddy is sad. Daddy's sad. 
Dad, you don't do that. So, and, and the reason I do that, the reason we do that as parents, is we want to teach our twins that good and what's wrong and what's right aren't just artificial categories, that we delight in what is good and we lament what is wrong. We want our twins to share God's heart. We want them to love what is right and to go away from what is bad. And here's the miracle of Christianity right here. We come to love God more than ourselves and to hate sin for its dishonor to God. The Holy Spirit is how God replaces our evil hearts of stone with godly hearts of flesh. I think it's incredibly motivating that my God cares about my sanctification. God actually cares as I'm growing in holiness. You know how we kind of get okay with, with our sin sometimes? You know, we'll, we'll say a little bit of gossip here and there. We won't feel too convicted about it or we'll... we'll um, We'll get kind of lazy or we'll tell a little white lie and we're not really convicted. Sin is never okay with God. It is never acceptable. It is never tolerable. As long as God is God and sin is sin, he will always grieve it. Therefore, in the process of sanctification, as Abby is growing as a Christian, as I'm growing as a husband, as I'm growing as a man, God is personally invested in me conforming to his heart and his will. Which means that as I grow as a Christian, I come to hate sin more. And I grieve my own sin. I grieve my wife's sin. I grieve my my children's sin. Um, That's part of what it means to be a Christian. Here's three. Sin must be judged. Verse seven. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. I mean, that's just... Blot out. Sin is so vile, so despicable, so heinous before God that it must be judged. The entire New Testament begs this question. If sin is wicked, it grieves God and it must be judged, who will save us? And the answer is God. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is not that God suddenly got, started to get loving when he was in a bad mood. It, the difference between the Old and the New Testament isn't that God changed his mind and got happy The difference between the Old and the New Testament isn't that we're a little better than the people in the Old Testament. The difference is this. The difference is between the Old and the New Testament is that our judgment was executed on Calvary and not by a flood. God will always judge sin. God will always hate sin. God will always grieve over sin. Therefore, God sent His Son to stand in our place on a cross and take our judgment, take our condemnation, take our wrath meant for us. It was so vile and wicked and God still hated it. It was so bad that He looked upon His own Son on the cross and He looked away. And Jesus said, it's finished, it's dealt with. I did it, I, did it. I took care of it, it's been meted out upon me, it is done. You don't have to look at it anymore, Dad. The world today, including ourselves, no less than Genesis 6, deserves to be blotted out. But Jesus died instead so that we could live. I'm going to end with this. Um, One thing I hear a lot from Christians and non is this. Why are you Christians always talking about sin? bunch of Puritans. Um, I was at a, uh, a wedding a couple weeks ago. Um, I just felt like the Puritan in the room. I'll just put it that way. Um, 
And people who are not believers, they look at the church and they'll go, you guys need a sense of humor. You guys need to really like stop, you bunch of fundamentalists. Go and have a hobby. Go watch sports. Go do something. I don't care. Just stop harshing my buds, you Christians. That is the way the world views Christianity today. We're a bunch of prudes. And all we have to say is, you're sinning, and that's the way that, they, that the world perceives us, because sin is fundamental to the Christian message. And so they'll go, and they asked me actually quite recently, why are Christians always talking about sin and judgment? Where's the good part? <laughs> well, the first thing is the Bible talks a lot about sin. I think another is, do you read the news? Do you have a phone? Do you have a paper? Do you have eyes? Do you have ears? The world doesn't want to hear about its sin. When The more we're in sin, we don't want to hear about it. Here's a way to think about it. Because of our sin, we don't like hearing about our sin. But it's those who know their sin well who know how to call upon a Savior. Why do we talk about sin? Because we can't look at the cross of Jesus Christ and not think about what sin does. See, the cross is victory. The cross is the best thing that ever happened. The cross is a grand spectacle before the world saying, look what our God does. Look how loving our God is. Sin is also something else. Sin is a, is a picture of of how much God hates sin. The cross, sorry. Sin is why we're in this mess. Sin is why things are the way they are. Sin is why Jesus came. Sin is right in front of us. Sin is the reason we need to repent and believe in Jesus. And here's what the Bible says about sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake He made Him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus says, hey, I'll take your sin, you take my righteousness. I'll become your sin, you become my righteousness. I'll become your sin, I'll be judged by the Father as if I sinned, and you'll be looked upon as if you had never sinned. How great is our God? How deep is the love of Jesus? And in a weird, mysterious way, in a way that only God could concoct, the deeper we delve into our sin, the more beautiful God's grace is. Faith is, what, is me waking up every day and praying, God, my heart is desperately wicked. I've got a Genesis 6 heart. But my day is going to be a Matthew or a John chapter 3, verse 16 day. Where I believe in Jesus. God, I am wicked, but I need you. I need your righteousness. I need your life. I need your power. I need your wisdom. I need your goodness. I need your faithfulness. I need you because without you, I'm empty and I have nothing. Without you, I am Genesis 6. I'm waiting to be flooded. I'm waiting to be poured out wrath. I'm waiting to be condemned. I'm waiting to be judged. But Jesus Christ was judged on my behalf so that I can walk into eternity as if I had obeyed completely. 
God will never again flood the earth. We're going to talk about that next week. But there is wrath coming that is immeasurably worse than a flood. And when the world goes, you're harsh in my buzz. Stop talking about sin. What we say is, hey, you got to deal with your sin. But sin doesn't have power over me. And when we repent of our sin, we walk away from it, we hate it, we acknowledge God's right judgment upon it, but we look at the cross and we see God's grace in a crucified Jesus. If you have not repented of your sin, if you've never thought about sin that way, I I know I sin, I know sin's disobeying God, but never thought about being under sin. Jesus was crushed so that we could have victory. That's the message of the gospel, and I invite you to believe it this morning. Let's pray. Father, what a beautiful Savior Jesus is. Our hearts are desperately wicked, but Jesus is immeasurably good. He's a wonderful Savior. He is a righteous King of Kings. And Father, we know that we deserve to be blotted out. The good news is that Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. Father, if there's anyone here this morning who has not continuing to grow in the knowledge of Jesus, Father, I pray that you would shake them from their apathetic life. You would bring them to their knees. You would show them and convict them of their sin. And you would display the beauty and the excellency and the goodness and the sufficiency of Jesus. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen.